I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q&A. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part one of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag. Question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, welcome back. Very big deal. How would you rank these players as pure playmakers? ETN, Bateman, Tony, Elijah Moore, and Rondale Moore. Take into consideration injury. Would you be mad if ETN was the pick if you ranked him as the best playmaker of the bunch? Is wide receiver or running back more important for Wilson's early development? And this goes along with J.J. Calder who says, why are so many fans opposed to drafting a stud running back at number 23? Isn't the point of this to add as much special talent no matter the position? So let's start with the first part of this. I personally think that it's kind of hard to rank those guys that you mentioned because they all bring different things to the table. Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, and Kadarius Toney are all smaller, dynamic playmakers. Bateman's a bigger-bodied possession-type guy, and Etienne is a running back who can make plays both in the passing game and in the running game. So you can't really rank them as playmakers without putting the caveat that they're all very different. I would say that of Tony, Elijah Moore, and Rondale Moore, the only reasons I would have Rondale Moore 3 are because A, he's got a pretty extensive injury history, and B, he's really small like five foot six, which is a size that makes it very tough to be productive in the NFL. I think best case scenario, maybe he's like a Darren Sproles, which isn't a terrible thing. It's just, I think you'd probably get more mileage out of Tony and Elijah Moore. They're not huge either, but gives them a little bit more to work with in terms of target space. And then as far as ETN and the question about running back in general, I don't, typically love the idea of picking one there, but I will say 
that if you heard Mike Farrell of Rivals on the show as somebody who's been scouting director for Rivals for over 25 years, he has an eye for these things. And he was all about the Jets grabbing Najee Harris at number 23. Would it be my first choice? No. But if you think about it, if the Jets are able to use their other picks to shore up the offensive line, which is much more important to me right now, I think, than getting receivers, because I think they can get by with the receivers that they've got. You'd like to see them add one, but this class is so deep that you can get a good one in the third or fourth round. We talked about Anthony Schwartz. With Nick Spano on the show the other day That's a perfect example You can probably get him either with that Seattle pick Or even maybe with that pick in the fourth round That the Jets have So that could be somebody you could add at wide receiver With Najee Harris The one thing that you can say is If you can beef up that offensive line What Najee Harris or even Etienne In a different way Because Etienne obviously is smaller And not able to take the kind of punishment That a guy like Najee can But maybe more dynamic, is that it takes a lot of the pressure off of the quarterback. And you have somebody who can make plays in a variety of different ways, and you see what, say, Derrick Henry has done for that Tennessee Titans offense. If the Jets can get a couple of good offensive linemen in the second and third rounds, which I think they probably can, then you can make a very strong case that Najee Harris or Etienne could make the quarterback's life a lot easier and it would help his development sort of the way that it helped Dak Prescott early on with Ezekiel Elliott. Now, as time wore on, Dak Prescott turned into a guy that could really do things on his own and Ezekiel Elliott was a little bit more de-emphasized in that offense, which is fine because remember, everybody goes crazy about the fact that these running backs have short shelf lives and they do, no question about it. But if you can get four or five elite seasons out of a guy with the number 23 pick, it's not that bad. You move on, you don't pay him, and you go and get a different running back. Most times, you're not going to get a guy at number 23 that's going to give you a lot more than that anyway. So I wouldn't freak out so much about that. The importance of the position, I totally agree. I would rather go corner or offensive line. But as much as I probably wouldn't pick ETN or Harris at 23 or even 34, I would totally understand the logic behind it because it would absolutely help make the young quarterback's life a lot easier. And you could have a guy that could really give this offense a boost for the next four to five years on a cheap rookie deal. So that's where I would come down on that. I think with the playmakers that you listed, you have to sort of grade them out in different categories. And at running back, it's not what I would do. But as Mike Farrell explained on the show the other day, I could understand the reasoning behind it. Yeah, okay. So we'll go with the the playmakers part. And the use of playmakers is what makes this so complicated for me. Because if you just ask me to rank those players, like I'm putting Bateman first. But I, I, as a playmaker, I, I, it's hard to really um, think of that like as him as just this dangerous, you know, playmaker. Uh, that I'd think more of Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. But you know, I, I'd much rather have Rashad Bateman. Of of all those guys on that list, which one would I rather draft? I would draft Rashad Bateman. Like no, no hesitation. I would take. Uh, them one of those guys um the other thing so uh my i have a specific problem with atn um and he's he's a lot of fun and i and i do love him but he's a home run hitter and 
as great as that is, because he is a threat to go ahead and uh, rip one off for a long touchdown, he's swinging for the fences every time. And what happens there is you're going to get a lot of minus three yard plays with ATN. You're going to get a lot of uh, plays where he kills a drive because instead of just taking the easy hole with the three to four yard gain, he's going to try to make something out of nothing and try to turn it into a touchdown. And then it's going to be a loss. And now you're putting the rookie quarterback in a bad position. So ATN is a specific uh, thing with me. I just, as much as I like having that home run hit, I'm, I'd be terrified to have him in with a rookie uh, running back, uh, a rookie quarterback, and have him possibly kill some drives on that way. Um, the other thing is, so we're talking about, okay, you want to talk about basically get, getting best player available there. I'm telling you that there's it's you're not passing on – Najee Harris and ATN to take somebody with like a third round grade here. You're taking at, at 23, there's going to be somebody else with a grade that's a pretty damn close, if not equal or better than the running backs are. Um, so, and then the other part of this is you want to know the reason why I don't care about a running back. Raheem Mozart is, is the answer to that question. Look at what they, they did the year that San Francisco went to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, they were running the ball 40 times a game and breaking off 60-yard runs with Raheem Mostert as the running back because it doesn't matter because that the system and the offensive line were so good that they will make Raheem Mostert look like Najee Harris. And also, the Jets don't need a running back at all. Honestly, they could. I would certainly be looking to to target somebody like uh, Kylan Hill or or somebody in those middle rounds, but they 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 don't need a running back right now. What they need is to upgrade the offensive line that will help whoever is running the ball. That is more important. Um, but I'm certainly not arguing that you're going to uh, go down like a whole full letter grade to take an offensive lineman. No, these guys are going to be graded right there um, along the lines as well. So I'm, I'm waiting on taking a running back. There's no way uh, Najee Harris, as much as I love him. And again, me personally, I'm rooting so much for Najee Harris to be get drafted to the jets because I've seen so much of his personality and I would love to cover that kid, but he's also not a, 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 the best I fit for the wide zone system uh Etienne is, is a, a it kind of is but again that home run uh swing about him kind of scares me and they, they they're good at running back they could definitely get better but they don't need to invest a first round pick in a, a running back yet you there's plenty of other holes to go ahead and do that the only time i'm investing a first round pick in a running back is if I have pretty close to a complete roster as is. Even like I, I was, uh, I approved of the Chiefs doing it with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year. Well, looking back on it, Chiefs would have been much better off going ahead and going offensive line there. But um, if you, if your team is more complete, you can go ahead and take that risk in the first round when you still have so many other places to fill. I'm not taking it on offense uh, on a running back especially not in a system that is going to be designed the way it is and build that offensive line. And whoever is the running back 
is going to be able to put up Najee Harris type numbers. I'm not so sure I would say that the 49ers system made Raheem Mostert look like Najee Harris, but I do understand the point of the offensive line being paramount to a running back success. However, I do agree with what Mike Farrell said, and I think that there are exceptions. Najee Harris is the type of guy that could come in right away and really help a young quarterback take that pressure off, kind of the same way that we saw with Thomas Jones early on with Mark Sanchez, and we've seen with a lot of successful quarterbacks. So again, I'm not sure that I would make the move at 23 or 34, but I wouldn't hate it if they did it. And as you said, He's a fun personality, and a lot of Jets fans that might be questioning the logic of picking a running back that high would absolutely love watching Najee Harris if the Jets did pick him. So, as I said, wouldn't be my first choice, but the logic is sound if you're looking for somebody that can really help the development of the young quarterback. Next question comes in from Thomas Arnone. He says, how active do you expect Joe Douglas to be post-draft in free agency? Any chance you see Wesco becoming a full-time fullback and the Jets' version of Kyle Juszczyk, we know that his blocking is on point. I think Douglas will absolutely be active post-draft. I think he'll be looking to see who gets cut, who shakes loose, especially on the interior offensive line and in the defensive backfield. They're going to be looking for reinforcements, maybe even off-ball linebacker, depending on what they do in the NFL draft. And as far as Wesco becoming a full-time fullback and the Jets' version of Kyle Juszczyk, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Kyle Juszczyk is excellent. And I'm not even convinced that Trevon Wesco is going to make this roster. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Jets picked a tight end in the mid-rounds at some point. So, no, I don't think that Trevon Wesco is going to end up being the Jets' version of Kyle Juszczyk. Well, I'll add this. I don't be surprised at all if one of those later round, mid, mid to later round picks is a, is a fullback. Uh, don't, don't be surprised at that at all. Uh, I won't be surprised if I see them try Trayvon Wesco out at fullback in training camp. I will be very surprised if he makes the roster as the fullback, and I would be surprised if he even makes the roster at all at this point. Um, But I I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see them try that there. Um, Okay, so I'll start here. I know for a fact right now, that I don't, I don't know who these these players are that circled, but I know for a fact right now that they have players circled uh, from other teams. That hey, if this guy gets released, we're gonna try to go after him. Um, and part of that is, you know, that's just what GMs like to do. But also with the new system coming in here, Robert Sala and Lafleur have sat down with them, and they've been like, okay, these are types of guys that we will fit and work in what we do. Um, and then they like to do this so they can uh, touch base beforehand. They don't have to do it afterwards. There's definitely a bunch of players that they have their eye on thinking, and I'm not talking about, you know, they, they circle Patrick Mahomes. They're, they're circling guys that they think, uh, might be able to, might shake free or even if it's a little bit of a chance. So I absolutely think that you'll see him be aggressive in that area. It's going to depend, of course, who shakes free if if the only people shaking free are guys that they they didn't circle then you're going to see a lot less but i if he sees somebody that they want i absolutely expect him to be aggressive go after it i do see him bringing in you know just oh hey this offensive lineman who knows what we can get out of him but we'll bring him in and get some more competition so i think you're going to see a lot of that 
<laughs> and um, yeah, you, you're absolutely going to see him be aggressive there. As you know, I don't know if you're going to see too much trades involving higher round picks. I would think you'd see more of a fifth, sixth round picks maybe being traded for that. But he, they definitely have people in mind that they're hoping shake free somehow that they can go ahead and pounce on. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Coffee and Jets. He says, should the Jets just roll with Captain Morgan? Yeah, I think so. Why not? Good marketing opportunity. <laughs> That just, you know, roll, take Kyle Pitts and roll with uh, Captain Morgan. There you go. Uh, And then they can come up with some type of sponsorship deal to give uh, Jets fans free Captain Morgan at the game. So you can just drink yourself into more sadness. Um, Sure, that that works. Next question comes in from Damian Shaw. He says the Jets have 10 picks in this draft over under five players that are drafted on the offensive side of the ball. See, this is tricky because I'm not sure that they're going to wind up with 10 picks when it's all said and done. They could have more or less depending on trade-ups and trade-downs. But as far as the over-under five, just playing a hunch, I would say that it's going to be over. If I had to guess, it'll probably be something like a six to four ratio. But again, there's no way to really know. Joe Douglas will play the board. I know he's going to want to give his young quarterback plenty of help. But that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be defensive players that he really likes that he'll pull the trigger on. So we'll wait and see depending on how the board breaks. But if I were to have to guess right now, I'd say probably more than five. Yeah, I'd go over two, but I I don't I I feel like that's me just trying to apply the pressure to Joe Douglas. You better do. <laughs> I've been talking about this for years. Just go all offense. I I I go offense, offense, offense. Um, I I go over two, but yeah, it's gonna be close uh, no matter what. Uh, obviously the idea if if they end up trading picks and they only come up away with nine guys, um, but. It, it it's you know maybe they maybe they go for the first four picks are all offense and they feel that they got four really good guys and then they go all defense from there and then they end up with six defense and we're wrong but they feel good enough uh, it's obviously it's going to depend on how the board falls um but i i do think that if it comes down to it basically there's two even places more often than not he's going to lean to the guy that can help his rookie quarterback i think He's he he knows that uh, the Jets did not do that with Sam Darnold. He knows that the Bills did do that with a Josh Allen, and I think he knows he needs to do that. So I think he will use that as kind of a tiebreaker on stuff. But I still I'm not expecting it to be anything like you know eight offensive guys and two defenders or you know, you know ten and zero like I like to do with those mock drafts. It's probably going to be six and four one way or the other, or five and five. It's going to be something very close to that. Next question comes in from Danny Stern. He says, any truth to the rumor that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas did not see eye to eye when they were deciding whether or not to keep Sam Darnold? 
I don't know the specifics of this. I did hear that Salah and LaFleur thought that Darnold would do well in this variation of the Shanahan offense that they're planning to run. As far as whether they prefer to keep him over drafting somebody else, I don't know for a fact one way or the other, but I have a hard time believing that if they felt that strongly about keeping Darnold as opposed to drafting somebody, that Joe Douglas would go out of his way to overrule them, especially considering that this is a new marriage. Salah just got hired. I can't imagine Joe Douglas wanting to undermine a coach like that this quickly into his tenure. It's possible, but I don't know anything in terms of the particulars. Chris, you know anything about this? I, I've been told that the idea that they are not seeing eye to eye is, couldn't be more uh, factually in, uh, incorrect, uh, that that is not the case. I was told early in the process that both Sal and LaFleur were uh, good to roll with Darnold, or that, that was the decision, but they both uh, knew that it probably wasn't going to be the decision. Robert Sala took the job realizing that Sam Darnold probably wasn't going to be the quarterback. Uh, for all the reasons that we kept telling you that Sam Darnold wasn't going to be the quarterback, the Jets will be drafting a quarterback. Robert Sala took the job thinking the same types of things. Um, again, I was told that the, both of LaFleur and Sala thought they, they could do well with them, but there is no disagreement. Robert Sala is not – uh, upset that they didn't keep Sam Darnold. I, I, the way that that was characterized, I, I heard and was told by multiple people and some of them within the Jets organization that that <clears throat> that is absolutely false. That they're on the same page here. I don't know what Salah's decision would have been if it was just him making the decision. But I know that like he's not upset at Joe Douglas or like, oh my God, I can't I have beef with Joe Douglas now. That's that's not what's happening here. That's gonna wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back tomorrow with part two. In the meantime, make sure that you check out everything that Chris is doing, his very big deal work, if you will, over at Jetsinsider.com and follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. Great stuff up right now, Tommy Griffin Krantz with two parts of his preview of the players that the Jets have been talking to per our friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium. Steve Ballou wrote a great piece about why same old Jets is annoying and it doesn't fit current times and people need to stop saying it, whether that's fans, members of the media, or people around the league. John Grella, our secret decoder ring, decoded the press conference that Joe Douglas and company had the other day and told you what was really being said. And over on our YouTube channel, a lot of great stuff. We've got Luke Grant breaking down film. Kendrick Green, the guard from Illinois, was his latest that he put up there. Kayla Pace has her commentaries with Pace's playbook. And don't forget, every Wednesday night, in conjunction with U Stadium, it's Play Like a Jet Live with Clayton Smarslock and Luke Grant. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And give the podcast a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com. <laughs>